I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Brian. And I'm Bridie. We're two-thirds of the Sick Boy Podcast. Yeah, most what am I, top liver? No, you are you are the you are the queen bee of the Turn Me On <laughs> podcast. But My and you're and, and you're frequently Involved or on? Oh, well, semi As frequently late. lately. Yeah, yeah. This is my 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 third callback. You've been on the show as a guest. <laughs> oh, that's true. You know, you've yeah. uh, you've you've been filling in for Taylor McGilvery, who's a host of uh, of Sick Boy, who unfortunately, very recently, uh, was struck Died. by a car. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> so uh, rest in peace, Taylor. You will be missed. But uh, Bridie, you're but not you're, for long. We got to release a show this week. Yeah, and you're fucking doing way better than he ever did. So. <laughs> Uh, so we hope we hope Taylor's up there listening from somewhere. Um, but this is this is very exciting. Uh, we've done shows all across Canada, um, but this is the very first time we've recorded an episode of our podcast in Montreal. First time we've recorded a podcast in Montreal, but we're doing it live from the Spotify stage at the uh, as a part of the Just for Last Festival, as a part of uh, Zoo Fest and Off JFL. And I got to say, for the few people that are currently here, thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for standing there and wondering Where what, you are. what the fuck <laughs> is going on. So what, to fill the people in who don't know, uh, we are a podcast where the entire uh, premise of the show is we talk to people who are living with illness or disease. And, uh, but the, the catch is it's, it's a comedy podcast of sorts. For the most part, like most we, part. we try to make it a, a comedy podcast, I think, but it's not. It doesn't always end up being a comedy podcast. No, sometimes it is a very sad <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so uh, I hope you brought your Kleenex tonight. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. It, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's not that bad. And all of this stems from the fact that I live with cystic fibrosis, uh, which is a a a chronic and and life limiting um, uh, genetic disease that primarily affects the lungs. But it kind of like it kind of affects everything. It affects my pancreas. It affects my my uh, uh, my. I was going to say my dick, but it does. It affect, He's sterile. I'm his wife. But is that my dick? Uh, no. No. Technically, your balls. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we allowed to like? I guess this is being blasted out into the streets of Montreal. Right. Can we now. say like, fuck? We... Is that okay? What? <laughs> I just said fuck. Yeah, okay, Thumbs right. Thumbs up? Okay, so I guess Thumbs we're, up for fuck. Yeah, I did see some... There's a kid right there. I'm so sorry, <laughs> ma'am. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they put us on at 9.30. Um, so the show, though, isn't about... Uh, we're not going to talk about my illness, even though I, I always try to find a way to, to loop it in Absolutely. To, to the show. Tonight, we are, we are very pleased to be joined by a, a Quebec native, uh, our, our new friend... We just met this evening. Maggie. Hello. Hi. Hi, Maggie. Um, you've got a really... F- wild story. Thank you. Wild story. Wild uh, with a capital F. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a really fucking wild story, and I don't really know where to start. However, what I, what I, I think I want to start with is... Uh, let's talk about your esophagus, or your... Uh, let's, let's talk about, before we even start talking about that let's talk about um how you're doing right now because i know that there's oh there's a lot of things that we're going to cover and talk about tonight that um might seem i think a word that you used to describe them maggie was creepy a little bit a little bit so yeah i'll start with the end like just to tell people i'm doing really fine today 
I am actually being hired for a middle-class student to um, public speaking about my illness and uh, everything I've been encountered since my birth and trying to bring a new approach uh, to those uh, new uh, students about um, trying to consider the patient as equal as the medicine doctor because uh, the 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 medicine doctors uh, study the illness and the physiological physiological pathology, but in our perspective, there is dealing with the disease 24/7, and this is another expertise that needs to be acknowledged. Right, so it, uh, like the the humanity of who is living with the illness is almost forgotten about in the world of, of medicine sometimes. But not only humanity, but like, uh, just to give you a concrete example of what it used to be. Uh, to Is this your intro music that just kicked in? What I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, three years ago, I was admitted in a hospital, and uh, I was what I was saying was just completely tossed aside and they thought I had tuberculosis and they kept me in for 10 days. Tuberculosis? Yes. Do people still get that? Yeah, it's 2019. Is tuberculosis a fucking thing now? My, my, my lungs were so damaged that they thought I had tuberculosis and they kept me in hospital for it. But like, not acknowledging my knowledge and what I was telling to them just lead to a more risky thing right. that could have just uh, been really worse than what right. just happened, but yeah, well, like you get it. Like, what, why don't you lay out for us the like? Let's take it all the way back to uh, yes. the early days. You, but before we do, I, the, what what is it that you're dealing with in terms of like your? I read somewhere about your esophagus. Is it your esophagus that's yep. fucked up? Yeah. What is it? What, what do you got going on? Uh, as you can see on my tattoo right over here, this oh, is shit. Oh, That's This is the tube that was missing at my birth. That means I thought that, that was a scene from Aliens. I no, thought it was a tentacle of like this, a sea This monster. is my illness I tattooed on myself. Okay. This is the tube that was missing at birth. That means that I had my throat, my stomach, nothing in between. No what? connection. Wait. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Yes, go. So, okay. How did they find that out? Yeah. They tried to put something in my mouth and they just knew there was something wrong because it was not going... uh, Because they were trying to clear the mucus out of... uh, like this is what they usually do when you, yeah yeah they take babies the out minute and then they, you're yeah born. They, they put the a, minute you were born they knew yeah they they, they they knew it because they were not able to just go through the the throat so they sent me to hospital and then they knew I had a genetic disease that that just uh, what's it, what is it called the disease uh, esophageal atresia where where does food go in your body like if if you eat it and it goes into your mouth. And you chew it up, and then it does. It, you don't have an esophagus. Where does it end up? Straight out your butthole, I guess. No, it, it, it can I end there in your lungs. I had connection with my lungs, but no with my stomach. So it would go into your lungs if you ate, like you ate, in, let's say you're, you're five days old, yep. and somehow you have the, the capacity to eat a, an apple. No. I know babies don't. Bre- breast milk. I know, but let's just let's just use an apple as an example. Copy that. Okay, so you're you're chewing on an apple. You're a baby with teeth, and you, you probably have nice hair. too. Yeah, you've got a full set of hair. You're fully developed, and you swallow the apple. It would go into your lungs. Yep, that's the Dude, only place. Well, think yeah. about it. Okay, you're you're drinking a glass of water, and you know that that time where it, where you drink water, and all of a sudden it just goes down your windpipe, and you're like, how can I be so dumb? How could I be so dumb to let the water go down my windpipe? Is that what you say to yourself? Yes. You don't? <laughs> Jesus, take take it easy on yourself. But it's, right? Like, I don't think the, that's your fault. That's the other tube that's there, right? So it kind yes. of makes sense. Yeah. Is that what happens? Yep. It, it goes into your lungs. It goes in my lungs. And, 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 and even there, I had multiple connections to my lung. They had to uh, close. Okay. What? Yep. I had multiple little uh, tubes that were connected with my lungs that they had to actually shut. 
Okay, this is a little off topic, but do you guys are you guys familiar with um, duck vaginas? Yes. yes. And what they what well, they look why? like? Why? 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 Well, this we, just this reminds me of a duck's vagina. It's like a maze. What is it? They have um, they, they have, have like. Fake- they ha- yeah, they've got a bunch of like trap doors inside oh, the okay. vagina. Yeah, that that's because d- other ducks force like male ducks forcibly try to impregnate the female duck, okay. and and through evolution, the female duck that's like, yo, I don't want, y- I don't want your kids. I want his kids. You know, I don't know if ducks think <laughs> that way, but they they through evolution they built all these like they built they yeah this is how this works. This is real science, guys. They built different passageways in their vagina to fool the sexual predators. I, I'm also again noticing I'm also again noticing children in the front row and I'm I'm gonna have to uh, just take a step in back. In French we call it fistule. Fistule. Wait. That that's what the little tubes thing was that you had, fistule. Yeah. Okay, so so what do they do then if you don't have an esophagus? What do they put in there that goes between your mouth and your stomach? Okay, they cut my stomach in a half to elongate it in a Pac-Man. Like it was looking like a Pac-Man, and they threw it all along uh, to the little flesh pod that was left here. Like when I'm talking, as you can see, this fills up with air, and this is the remaining of what was left at birth. So is it almost like they like Jesus. stretch it up and then sew yes. it together? Yes, yes. So your, your esophagus is technically your stomach. Yes, I have no esophagus. I only have a stomach. It's like a highway. It's, it's like, like a highway acid reflux going through my lungs. <laughs> right, so... so Almost immediately, they, they find this out right away when, yeah. when you're born. They, but look at this. They find it right away, but they had to give me enough food and cortisone to be able to go through the surgery. So they kept me for a year and a half in the hospital. Okay. What? Yeah. So they don't do the surgery right away? No, they, no, they wait no, a year no, and a half? because I was too much underweight and... Uh, they, they had to work the stomach in order to be able to do to perform the surgery. So how do they feed you though? Like if if um, if there's no gap there, like I'm familiar with feeding tubes for some people who straight through your stomach. You're pointing at your stomach right now, so yep. straight through your stomach, a straight hole. through your your, stomach. your 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 belly through a yeah, but just beside the belly. Okay, it was a second belly. Were you pre Were you born premature? Yep. Oh, okay. How how premature were you? Mm, thirty three weeks. You were born at thirty three weeks. Yes. Okay. I have no idea. I have no frame of reference for what that means in terms of how long is an actual thirty nine to forty. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Very early. Yeah. Jared, did you just Google a picture? I was yeah. I was googling photos, but it um, uh, I can't wrap my head around them. Yeah. It's it's too confusing to even look at. But so, it's just that I I did not have any. Tube, so they fabric the feeding tube out of my stomach. That's so wild to me because, like, we—I mean, this was 31 years ago. Yep. So I'm wondering, do you know, like, if, is this the same way that we would handle that situation now? Nope. Like now, okay. Now let me guess. Now, do they put in like this wicked, like, like, like it, carbon fiber? It depends on. Uh, it depends on the gap you have between your mouth and your stomach. Like mine was really wide. So they had to uh, stretch my stomach and then be able, like, by stretching my stomach, I mean filling out my stomach with stuff and then putting my feet and then reversing me. Pulling your feet? Head down and just let it soften and stretch for, for hours. This sounds like... Did you have a witch doctor? As like, who, who was your? Oh, my doctor was really, really special. Like, like, hang her by her, her feet. Reach, reach up into her mouth. Grab the stomach. Pull it down. Yeah. Tie a knot. But, but for real, my 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 surgeon was really, really special. Her name was Maria Di Lorenzo. She died today. She she died fifteen she, years ago. Oh, I was like, she died today. No, 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 not that day. Shouldn't you 15, be at the funeral right 15, now? Fifteen years ago, she died of AIDS. Whoa. And uh, she, she, she is a pretty strange doctor. Like she had no friends, uh, no, no, no friends, no, no child, no husband, no, nobody. Like she catched the AIDS in the nineties, 
beginning of the 90s, and it completely uh, fucked up her life. Oh, did wow. she tell you this as a baby? Like you guys were just having this conversation, or <laughs> no, how, how did you come no, to know this? She, as you were hanging by your feet, I, she's dangling. She died, and when I knew she she died, I I really researched about what her life right. was all about, and I remember seeing her at the cafeteria just alone, singing alone, like all the time, and I really relate to her because of everything that happened afterwards. But yeah, my my surgeon had a. Uh, Really special uh, life. Hard life. Yeah. So, so they go through with this procedure. They, they connect. They make this connection so that you have an esophagus, yet it's really just your is your stomach extended up to to meet your throat. Yep. Is that is that like at that point? Are they kind of like all right? Like she's good. Like send her off. She'll be good for the rest of her life. It's a little more complicated than this. Uh, what happened is my mom didn't went to her second uh, echography. Uh, how do you guys say this in English? Um, I don't know. I don't French know very well. Echography. Is like, there anybody who knows the, French? The video they take with oh. the baby in your belly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. ultrasound. Ultrasound. Okay, yeah, so right. she yeah. didn't went to her second ultrasounds. Um, and if she went there, she could have been, uh, it, my condition could have been handled better. But uh, her specialist was actually converting into another specialty. So he was trying to become, a, he was heading to become an oncologist. So there was a gap. When I went uh, at uh, St. Justine, he was written in my dossier, but my surgeon when uh, he didn't give any news, she just completely took me under her... Uh, under her wing. Yeah. And said, nobody is going to enter in, in that dossier anymore. Wait, so, what's a do- dossier? Like the, uh, notes, like the notes that you uh, have The medical files. files oh, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. specialist. Oh. As my, my mom tried to get We have that word in English too, Yeah, right. Like, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I get that now. Dossier. Like gastric suit oh, specialist and lung specialist. She was trying for years to get other specialty, but she always said, no way. Right. There's nobody who will be able to handle her, and I'm the only one that can really uh, grasp everything. And was, was she just being selfish, or was she like onto something there? I think she was a perfectionist. Like she wanted to. Oh Jesus, that doesn't yeah, sound good. But like perfect, like wanted to be perfect and everything to be perfect. And she was, I think, at one point, she was just. Um, uh, she had trust issues with all other specialists. Okay. She she thought that other people could ruin her work, and like uh, that that surgery that happened a year and a half after, it was a twelve-hour surgery. The so, one that you had was a twelve-hour yeah, surgery. Yeah, that was a twelve-hour surgery. So. The way she was seeing it, it was it, it involves a lot of money and a lot of efforts, and I don't want anybody to ruin that. Right. So what? But like, let's talking about your experience yep. with with this. How, like, what was your? What did your childhood look like? Like, like, how did you? How did you have to manage having a having a stomach for an esophagus? Like, was it was that was that hard, or or did you live a somewhat, you know? "Quote unquote normal life." The the weird thing about it is they had a problem keep, keeping my weight correct. So uh, people were telling my parents that I needed to eat more, but it was making me sicker because if my stomach is full and I go sleep on a full stomach, it's of course for sure I'm going to be sick. So. I had from uh, until maybe ten years old. They, uh, they they really I felt like they stuffed me with food, and they just triggered attack, attack, attack every night. Like almost every night, I was ending into crisis uh, with vomit, acid, 
going through my lungs and it was it was so much crazy that at one point my dad <laughs> I had the I was just uh, sleeping on a, a bed um, like an adjustable bed like yeah. like on an incline yeah the the bed and bed, I was I, I was just not able to uh, to remain up high so they grabbed uh, a yellow rope and they tugged in under my shoulder and trying to make me stay up because I was not... Wait, they literally tied you? Yeah, they tied me to my bed and then I, I was just looking at them and said, it hurts, I can't sleep. I'm like, okay, it's not gonna work. Did you did you ever do that Holy trick? You know, you know like when you're a kid and like your parents are like, if you don't finish your entire meal, then you can't have dessert. So you're like, okay, I, I see what you're saying here. So you like pull out your napkin and just like plop it down on your lap and just... Start like they they're not looking, and you just shovel some off onto the napkin. And just you like, sneaky like, boy! Oh, I have to go to the bathroom, and then you just go and flush that dinner down the toilet so you can still eat dessert. Yeah, definitely, definitely you know what I'm saying. That. Yep. Did you have it? Do you ever any <laughs> tricks like that that you're due to like to basic? <laughs> this is a good question, right? Uh, do you have any? Did you have any tricks like that that you would do? To I like had squirrels' uh, cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. I I kept uh, putting foods in my cheeks, and then. Uh, they they will uh, they will just let me throw up. Yeah, uh, oh, I waited for a hour, two hour, and then they were like, "Okay, you're not eating anymore, so just go and throw it up all in the bathroom." So I, I know your I know your relationship with your parents uh, has been a bit tumultuous, to yeah. say the least. Um, given given the fact that you were born with this chronic illness and and. Uh, all the challenges that you faced, what was your relationship with your parents like? At first, I was the daddy's little princess that turned into uh, daddy's little nightmare <laughs> at the teenage uh, teenage time. So at I, was first, also, I was also considered daddy's little nightmare. I uh, you were going to say your daddy's little princess. I'm too. actually still considered daddy's little nightmare. That's actually what uh, Brady calls me, right? <laughs> That wasn't fun. We'll, really save, we'll, we'll save that I'm for disturbed. tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> yeah, the wrong podcast. <laughs> That's a different show. So how, how did that go? How did you go from... Okay, but uh, I'll try to explain it as best as I can. But like at first, when they hook up with each other, my dad had uh, relationship intimacy issues. And even he, he, he still says it today, like... He did not match up because he liked my mother and he loved her. He only matched up because he didn't want it to be alone. But they didn't plan on having a chronic, a chronic illness kid. So when I happened... Has he, did he say that to you? Yes. And how did, how did that make you feel? Uh, that's really weird to... Be, because the way he says it... it I don't know. I, I feel I, I always feel weird when when he talks about it like this. Like once I, I asked him like why did you uh, why did you hooked up with my my mom and stuff and he, he he said it like that. I just didn't want it to be alone and my friends were all getting uh, uh, married and kids and stuff and I did not want it to be alone. So and I liked her. So but yeah, it makes me it makes me feel really weird. And at one point. I felt like at the at the beginning, like from age one to age ten, we had a really uh, enmeshment relationship, and that my mom was an accessory to this. She was helping, she was nurturing, but it was mostly me and my dad. My my dad had a, a big ideal, big image for me that he was seeing like she is going to be the. Yeah, like you're gonna, you're gonna that. overcome all this. You're yeah. gonna, like, yeah, you're gonna. She needs to overcome all of this because I suffered so much for her. Right, that's the thing. Right, and that's what has tainted our relationship, and that's with the hepatitis C happening. That all shift. Okay. All right. Hepatitis C. <laughs> yeah. Where did that enter the picture? Well, okay. The last we were the last. The last place we were in the timeline was around 10 years old when you were being hung up to your bed so yeah. that you wouldn't throw up your dinner anymore. So 
take us take where did hepatitis C come in? Okay, twelve years old. I re, we received a letter that I have I might have been in contact with blood supply that were. That was tainted. Yeah, tainted with hepatitis C Whoa. during during all your all your medical treatments from like age zero. Uh, to 10 no, no, or my my, my big surgery when I when I was a year and a half when I got my big surgery. This is where they needed blood supply, and it seems like maybe I could have the disease. Okay, that so, is the craziest letter to receive in the mail. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? We haven't seen you in tw- like 12 years, uh, but we made a, an oopsie. Yeah. It was a boo-boo, and you've got a hep C. But uh, I had to get tested, and then I, I came back home, and my mom told me the tests are positive. And at first, I was like, oh, the tests are positive. <laughs> so it's like positive stuff. So she, it's she very sat confusing. down with me and she told, though, this is not what it means. And from there on, it went blank, blank, t- totally blank. I don't remember uh, the rest of the stuff that happened to me that day. So we've, we've, had a, we've had a guy on the podcast with hepatitis C before. And I know that recently hepatitis C became um, treatable. I guess, yep. And they can. Oh, yeah. Make but, it uh, but it so. still is since... Uh, like, uh, I treated hepatitis C 10 years ago. But the thing is, the treatments are uh, riddled with secondary effects, like, really bad. Okay. But in my father's and my mother's mind, it was, like, a tragedy. It, it was so well, much uh, of a Of tra- course. Yeah, like that. I mean, I'm not a father, but I can imagine that if I was... And I got a, a fucking letter in the mail, and, the, and that letter was like, oh, by the way, like, we gave your kid uh, a disease that is, A, racked with stigma, yep. B, like, like a, a, a disease that, you know, people are legitimately afraid of getting. Like, is, wait, is Hep C the one where it's like, when you're in... in when you're down south, they're like, don't, don't drink. Some I, type of hepatitis. Don't have ice cubes sure. in your drink. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's a, a B. It's the B one. Oh, that's hep B. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hep C is uh, blood. Right. Okay. Yep. What's hep A? Uh, I don't know. It's the best grade you can get out of the three, I guess. I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But I know A and B are easily treatable and C is a little more difficult. And like uh, lately they, they had uh, treatment that were more effective. But in my time, it was one year long treatment. You lose a third of your hair. I have lost uh, 20 pounds. And Do you remember what the treatment was? Like, what were they? Was it um, self injection? Okay. Self injections and pills. So, as a 13 year old, they're giving you the medication? Uh, I, I took the treatment at 18. I was, I, I was not able to take it uh, before. Okay, so you have to wait until you're a certain Yeah. Age. I had what? to wait. I had to wait, and it was my medicine doctor deciding when is the good timing for that. And before I left, because Chu Saint Justin Hospital is only until 18 years old. After that, they transfer you to adult healthcare system. Yeah. So that's why they decided to do the whole thing when I was 17. But mostly, yeah, I, I had the disease. I was 12. And all the stigma you talked about, my dad was so anxious about it that he made me believe that I was going to turn like that, absolutely. And um, at one point, I became really anxious and depressed, and I, I not tried to commit suicide, but... I, I developed uh, drug addiction issues, but mostly with weed and a little bit of other substances on the side. But there was one day that I was just trying to figure out how to kill myself in my closet. And just figuring, not not doing, just figuring out, trying just coming to up measures with the, the and everything. Yeah, right. Measuring and tape. my mom came in. And she was devastated when she saw that. So, so she was just trying to understand what was happening. My dad came out of the background. He grabbed the rope I had on my throat. 
and he pulled it up high in the air. You're like, Dad, it's not that kind of cry for Just try, <laughs> just trying to scare the fuck out of me just to make sure I don't do it again. And like, from that Whoa. day, it completely shifted. I went into a survival mode and I was like, I really need to get out of that house because it's either that I'm going to get killed or I'm going to kill him. Right. So I grabbed the phone. I called how, the child. How old are you at this time? 15. Yeah. Which is such a like, uh, it's one of the, it's like that age is so intense yeah. already. Yeah. Hormonally, you know, like socially. <laughs> All the stuff, I mean, and nothing that is going through your brain at a 15-year-old, as a 15-year-old, like, really makes any sense. Exactly. I mean, if you hang out with a 15-year-old for 20 minutes, you're, you're just, it's like... You're irrational. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> I was you once? This is insane. Um, so to go through something so traumatic, and then to have such a, like, drastic reaction, not saying that drastic is, like, it, it was, it, it make, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's... I, I, I pick up the phone and I call the child service centers to get me out of that place. And they put me in a shelter for like a year. And it did give me a break because we had, um, uh, my dad had anger issues. And it was about anything. Just like at one point I was just trying to eat my stuff on the table. And the, you're not cutting it smaller enough. And then he pitched up his chair and and get up and really started screaming, get big, and he was intimidated. He was bullying me every fucking day. So, like, at that point, when that stuff happened, uh, it was like that for almost a big five years, and I was just... I, I had enough of it, and I had to get out of there because my dad was so anxious and depressed. He projected every fears he had onto me. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. You go and you make that shift from going from life in that situation at home into the shelter. What's that like? Like, I, I can only imagine that there's such a variety of experience for kids who end up going to these like uh, foster homes or shelters. Um, what was that experience like for you? For like me, when, when they pick you up, even like I, I'm really curious about this. So, so feel free to go like right into the details of like when they pick you up and they take you. Like, where do you go right away, and how do they introduce you into this? My community? parents went to uh, drop me there, actually. So n- nobody comes so really? in, and yeah. But the thing is, I felt a relief. I felt a relief because there was other girl with who I can relate, who had. Domestic, had been abused or had domestic violence and it, it was really a relief for one year and a half but like at one point when I called them I did not tell about what my dad did all I told is yes I'm a drug addict I just need to get out of here I have bad behaviors I choked a girl yesterday because this is what happened actually uh, the week before my dad uh, did that big aggression, and then the week after, there was no weed, so I took some pill. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I ended up choking a girl in my bus, uh, my bus to school. And then my parents just freaked out and told me, "You're not going to school anymore." And then I was like, "No fucking way! I'm not staying here. The school is my escape, and you're not going to." cut me from there. So when you go to this new environment, like yeah. immediately it's a sense of relief. Yeah. Are, you, are, are you like, how many other um, girls there? Is it co-ed 12. or is it 12 other girls? We are 12 girls okay. living in there and we all have our, our little uh, way to be crazy and weird. And that's, I think, what connected us all. Okay. And Sounds I, like a good recipe for a sweet band. Yeah. You know? 
A sweet band or a movie like called Matilda or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. That's yeah. just a name that jumps to my mind. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure. Sure. Yeah. So I was there for a complete year. So at 16, they told me like you have good behaviors. You don't have drug addiction problem anymore. So we ship you back to your family. <clears throat> Before we go back to that, yeah, uh, coming back to being in the in the the home with those girls. How did you, like, were you, was it hard to manage your illnesses in a place that, like, wasn't home? It, it was actually not that bad because they would bring food I did not eat. <laughs> oh, okay. They ate, so ate, I, uh, the more I eat, ate with an eight. I got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, the more I eat, the more I get sick. So right. they present me food I did not want to eat because there was vegetable and I did not like vegetable. So it was actually not that bad. Yes, I had nights where I had crisis, but I was used to deal with it on my own. So I had my beds to calm the crisis and just resume my sleep. So right. it was not that bad. And I had uh, some, some kind of a, a pillow to... Just make sure I was not flat on the bed and like if you right now, right now just laid flat. Yeah. Would that fuck you up? No, it's over a long period of time, like several hours in a row that it goes. Like when I sleep, when I go, even when I fall asleep and I'm not in a good posture, it comes up. Right. It's does it just, falling asleep? Does it just come up or is it like it? It's the f sensation of like the you know the stomach. I have uh, like acid reflux, right? right? So like I'll lay down and I just you know whatever drank too much tequila, and uh, and if I lay down after like a night of drinking, I can feel something burning here, and it just like feels uncomfortable. But I'm not gonna vomit everywhere. Is it? It depends. Okay. It depends. Sometimes it's like that, but sometimes it's really violent. Right. So, like sometimes like I just wake up and I keep coughing and coughing and coughing and it's burning and. Oh, so you find it makes you cough too? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yes, yeah, a lot. What the fuck's up with that? I feel it makes me cough too. Yeah, it's because it goes in your lungs. What? Uh, Is that why I'm probably coughing? probably yeah oh, or or you have the reflex to do it. In order to not get to anything. avoid it, to yeah. Get into the lungs. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. did you find that life was like more or less pretty good for that year that you were in that home? It was awesome. And then I liked back. it. I was free. I was more free than in my own house. And you didn't have the choice to stay there. No, I did not have the choice. Like uh, they told me, there are some kids that needs it more than you, so you have to go back into your family. But the thing is. They gave me help to get rid of uh, my bad behaviors, but my parents didn't add any. So my dad was still an asshole. <laughs> that, I remember, so when you came back home, you were 16? I was 16, okay. yeah. I remember that, that, that around the age of 14 was about the time that all my anxiety started showing up in my digestive system. Like, I couldn't, I had to, yeah, I would eat meals, I would sit very still, I would not, like, be able to move. I would just, because it would, I would feel so sick. So I'm just wondering with, like, and I hear this with a lot of, of girls, too, and it comes with, like, tension, holding tension in this area. And did you find that, like, I just kind of want to know what goes on stomach and down. Like, did, did you have, like, gut stuff going on as well? The thing is, I do not feel appetite without my meds. I need my meds to be hungry. To register hungry. Yeah. If I don't take my meds, I'm not hungry. What kind of meds? Dumpiridon. Sorry, dump did you dump what? Dumpiridon. Oh, dump what? I thought you said dump to the dump like <laughs> you were about to present yeah, yeah, it. I'm like, dun, da, da, da. <laughs> the meds call? <laughs> the meds call dun, da, da, da. Or you cannot call it uh, motilium. 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 So it actually um, activate your stomach natural uh, 
Perispaltism. Right, sure, spasms or whatever. Yeah. It, which makes sense because your stomach's all fucked up. It's all stretched yeah. out and sliced and up. Only, and, yeah, they, they, yeah, they slice the big nerve that uh, m- makes you gi- digest properly. So I right. have empty stomach gastroparesis. Empty stomach gastroparesis? My empty, my, my stomach empty itself really, really slowly. Okay, so you digest gent, like very slowly once it yeah. even passes that. It can take three days to empty my, slum, my what do, stomach. So what, what do your shits look like? That Normal shit, I take uh, laxative. <laughs> You just take laxative just, yeah, just yeah. to shit? Yeah, yeah. Without that, my stomach would be even fuller. How long would you go without like taking one if you didn't take laxatives? I take it every day. Okay, so you but every I take it every, every day you? just to make sure my stomach can empty itself. But what if you didn't take the laxative? Would you I would be for like 14 days? But could you theoretically eat like once every three days if you don't feel hunger and your no. food is slowly digesting? Why not? Why not? I, Why not? I eat one big meal per day. That's it. And the rest of it is a little bit of snack. Guys, if you, you eat, didn't eat... What do you eat? If you didn't eat, you'd be so you'd be so drained. Like, we eat for energy, right? Yeah, but yes, if it, thank you. Your, your fuel is being burned that slowly... Yeah, but she's not a sloth. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is that I, I take uh, acid reflux suppression medication, and that makes my gastroparesis worse. Is it called omeprazole? Nope, oh. Zantac. Oh, yeah, Zantac. I've taken Zantac for a little yep. while. Yeah, sweet. High five to Zantac Club. <laughs> Zans? Yeah. Is that what they call Zans? Yeah, it's, they're, they're Zannies. They're real popular these days. Have you ever worked with I don't with know that? if you're joking or not. I I'm fucking that. joking. Zannies are, don't, Zan, kids? No. Don't do Zannies. Right. Um, what they call when you only eat one time a day like that, it's called the Bernstein diet. And it's just the 900 okay. calories. You start to lose a bunch of weight. You go into keto, and then you can only live for like two weeks. <laughs> That's basically how it I works. I don't think, I feel like I feel like we could live on way less food than, than we do. But like, what do you eat? What do you, you don't like vegetables. I don't eat vegetables. I eat uh, cashews, cheese, grilled cheese. Do you take any like uh, vegetable supplements though? Nope. I take smoothies though. I, I take smoothies because there is no uh, sounds in my jaw. So, how do you, you how do you get rickets? Uh, vitamin C. No vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. You're, about uh, to, you're, you're just you're on a, you're you're cruising for a rickets bruising. I'm telling you. Maybe I know. <laughs> you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like uh, I, I, actually, I, I know there there's something up on my hand that's gonna fall one day. It might be one of these lights, to be honest with you. Does it, does you'll they, probably be one of the first of us to become fully like AI. You'll have like you'll have from here down just the fully automated. They're doing that right now. Not yeah, sure about Elon, that. Elon Musk is linking us all up to the the, uh, the neural net. Um, does Does anyone know how you get rickets? Anyone no? here had no rickets? One? Does anybody here how not the fuck eat do you vegetables? Get how, hold on, I know who knows. Siri, how do you get rickets? There's no way she's going to pick Siri, her up. How do you get rickets? Here's what I found. Hmm. Siri and Alexa need to get into a boxing ring, and I just want to watch Alexa. It's, Spotify has nothing to do with Alexa, right? All right, cool. Or Siri. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, rickets is a condition that results in weak or soft, uh, soft bones in children. Symptoms include bowed legs. Oh, this sounds awful. Uh, Oh, found it. The most common cause is vitamin D deficiency. Uh, but I have a vitamin D supplement and calcium. And it's, and it's have, the summer uh, in Montreal right now. It's not osteoporosis, but it's like near. It's not that, that far. I, it, it's called osteopenie in French. Osteopenie? Oui. Le petit osteopenie? But it's like... You, you have uh, weak bones, but not as much as osteoporosis. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So you're like a, you're not a super old-ass lady, but like you're kind of an old-ass lady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. How old are you? are you? 31. Okay. 31 years old. Do you want to hear something interesting about osteoporosis? This yep. is kind of a, a side tangent here. Uh, astronauts, when they go to space... Because they don't have to use their bones. Like, there, there's no gravity. I mean, it's microgravity, so no gravity. Mm. Uh, they don't use their bones. Their bones aren't working against gravity. And uh, by less than a day being up there, their bones start breaking down, and they literally, this is not a joke, piss out their bones. It's the same as yeah. the movie Wally. 
I've heard about it's it. It's exactly yeah. the movie Wally. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's exactly like Such that. an underrated movie. And too. when they come back down to Earth, their body exhibits uh, uh, osteoporosis with it, like, as if they were a, an 80-year-old woman that had suffered for osteoporosis for, like, you know, whatever, 20 years of her life or but something. And then it just, right? like, reverses itself. Yeah, because gravity just makes them, like, stay fit. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we were at the point where you were in this home for a year and then you get, like, reintroduced to your family. How long does it take for you going back into your home to, until, like, things start to get shitty again? Six months. But it was, at the beginning, I, I just went back and it was crap. But I, I hold for, I hold on for six months. And then after that, it was really weird. Like... At that point, I just hated everybody. I was, I think I was a misanthropist, like really had a deep hatred towards most human. I had really big trust issues. So I just went through internet because I was like, I cannot live there anymore because I was, I just quitted drugs. I had a job. I was pretty stable, but my dad kept kept picking at me for useless stuff. Did you just leave? Like I, I went on internet and I fetched some boy on doyoulookgood.com. Wait, 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 wait. No, but I don't. Is that a website? Yeah, it's a website. Do, do sorry, you look? Say good, it again. Like, doyoulookgood.com. Yeah, I, I oh, was on Do You Look Good, and I hooked up with some dudes, and at some point, I, I just told them, please, please, please be my boyfriend. I need to do that cure for hepatitis C, and I cannot go back to Holy my shit. parents' house, and blah, 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 blah. So... Were you scaring the boys off with that speech, or, or were uh, they like, Ooh, It, it was birth. maybe uh, one week after I've met him. <laughs> Did you have to deal with, like, like I, I work in sales a little bit, so, like, you know, they say, like, sometimes you have to pitch, pitch a lot and, like, get used to being turned down. For yeah, that, yeah, we like, like, I, I, just like gotta... I just make sure they were hooked and then <laughs> pinch the whole thing. Is, do you look good, like, hot or not, basically? It yeah. looks like a, yeah. I mean, not, don't take this the wrong way, but it looks like an escort. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's just a dating site, like, Dating as Badu is that's like dating. 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 That's like Tinder's yeah. for making friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I had that guy, <laughs> and that at one point, I was so desperate, and I, I was like, I cannot go back to that shelter because the government don't allow me to. So I have to get out of that house before something bad happens. So. So I, I, I went to stay at that guy's place, and he was near Montreal, so it was helping me for my treatment, because at that point, when they gave me Pégétron Interféron, I had uh, meetings at the hospital every two weeks or so. What is, what is that word? In, do you know that? Pégétron Interféron is the name of the medication they gave me like to interferon? get rid of Crepsi. Oh. Okay, okay. Yeah. Pégétron. Pégatron. Pégatron interférant. Pégatron interférant. Yeah. <laughs> interférant. May, may we? Do you remember hearing about that? I do. Before? Yeah, we yeah. talked about interfer. Is that it? Is that what it is? Interférant. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah. I don't Man. know. I'm just. Yeah. I do love those meds that sound like something straight out of a, a goofy sci-fi film. <laughs> I, I do just want to come back to the do you look good thing. Uh, yeah. First, like, it, well, I, I do because we were we were joking about like we we're laughing about that, but I also can imagine that that's scary as fuck. You know, mm-hmm. like. You're you're a young woman. You don't feel comfortable or safe at home. You can't get access to the proper like safe housing that I, I don't know if you couldn't get access, but you couldn't find it anyway at the time. And you were so desperate to the point where you went on this website to seek out somebody to basically take you in and yeah. support you. Was was that scary as fuck for you? No, because nothing was scarier than my dad. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was, uh, it was, a, yeah, it was a, it was potentially a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Like it was a. Yeah, at was, first, at first, I thought that maybe he could really be my boyfriend. Like we had some connection about music and stuff, but turns out he was experimenting sexual stuff, and I was not used to it. And he traumatized me in other ways. So, and like. Being homeless 
for a woman is actually a little bit misunderstood because with the word homeless comes that you're in the street. But when you're a woman and you're not uh, a dumbass, you don't go in the street because you know you, are, you will end up pretty much worse than mm. if you hook up with a guy and try to make it work. So that's why I ended up with him for like a year and a half, at least for doing that pegeton interferon treatment that I knew that had pretty bad secondary effect. So, and I knew I was not able to work on that treatment because I lost 20 pounds. And just going to an interview, I would just look pe people in the eyes and I knew they were, they thought I was a, a pretty bad heroin drug addict. Right. You like you yeah, you were looking gone. Yeah. You, you had that. Exactly. That sort of... I was looking pretty sick, so yeah. I was not able to get hired. So I was stuck. I was stuck just because at one point I, it was like a three month relationship where I realized that it was not gonna gonna make it. But I was stuck. So I just stayed with him for the whole treatment, and when this was gone, then I knew at that point there was other shelters for homeless uh, young people, young adults, that I can try to go in. But I, nobody in my uh, medical care unit told me about that. I had to figure it out by On myself, yeah. and it took a year two years to, to find those resources and to just go there. Did the, your doctors know the ones that were helping you with that treatment, with that with the hep C treatment, did they know what your situation was? I think they assumed that it was a normal relationship when it was not. Right. This this all sounds very dire. This all sounds very uh, you know, like you were saying, very scary. Um, and it's a lot, that's a That's a lot of years in someone's life to live through such hardship. But again, at the very like beginning of this, you, you, which I'm glad you prefaced the entire thing with like, hey, everybody, just so we're all clear, I'm actually doing okay right now. Um, how, I mean, maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit, but just for the sake of time, how... How are you now? Like, how did you get, how did you go from that to, to sitting here with us and, you know. I was kicked out of the shelter because I smoked weed inside and I got caught. Right. Terrible. So, Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I, please, you? please, so, please tell me it was like the, the winter and you didn't want to go in the cold or something. Like you didn't fuck and, it up in the summer when it was nice. Exactly. Outside, I was smoking in my bath bathroom and somebody saw some smoke coming out of the window and they thought there was some fire And they came in, and they saw me smoking my little joint, and they, they told me, you're out. Okay, okay, okay. So I went back into those modes of going to do you look good and try it. So at that point, it just fell down. Like, I, I was hooked on weed, MDMA, and pretty whatever, other yeah, bad stuff. And uh, I, I, I knew at that point I did not have the choice to go back to my parents. So I, I lived that kind of instability for three, four months, going from guy to guy, dating to dating, and trying. It was couch surfing. I did couch surfing for like three, four months. And then. You know, there is actually a website called Couch Surfing. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Oh, fuck. You don't have to go For to dolooklook.com. Yeah. yeah. You, you oh, do yeah, not yeah. have to For go next there time. again. That's right. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Uh, next time? Yeah. Yeah. I hope there is no next no, time. No, no. There, there won't be next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went couch surfing for like three, four years. And then afterwards, I moved to another city that was uh, Sherbrooke. And Sherbrooke have a really good mental health uh, care system. And they had shelters where it was allowed to smoke weed in the supervised apartments. Yeah, it's called Bishop's University. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> and there, it was called the Tremplin. Okay. So I went there for a year and then uh, tried to work in the in a restaurant and it was awful. Like, 
Nobody cared about my illness. Nobody cared about I have to take my meds 30 minutes before I eat because if I don't do so, I am not hungry. So I got kicked out because I was becoming alcoholic. I had really big issues. My my mental health was just going down and instead of talking to me and trying to give me another chance like I've been working for them for one year and a half and they, they, they just kicked me out so I had the chômage what is chômage in French? oh chômage wow. yeah 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 Maddie chômage Workers' compensation. Uh, pogey. Yeah. So yeah, I, like I so I had that, and they told me if you get back to study, finish your high school, and get your diploma, you get more cash. So I went back to high school, finished my high school, and then went to the uh, did ev- CGEP. Did everyone in high school think you were a narc? No, like everybody was fucked up in that high school. Like it was right. an adult high school. Oh, it, what? Uh-huh. Adult high school, yeah. Oh, everybody, you were like Billy Madison. You didn't go back to like the. No, 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 no. It was adult high school, so I was oh. just normal. Right, got it. <laughs> so, I thought it was like Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, that's what like, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, here comes the nerd. No, it it was adult high school. So I went there, finished my high school, and then went to Sejep, and now I'm in university. So you're now currently studying in university, but uh, online, yeah. Right. What do you and what are you taking? Uh, psychology certificate. And so is that Whoa. influenced by uh, by your experience? Yes, definitely. Trying to understand, like I'm, I am ridden with that need to understand what happened to me, what happened to my family, and am I that much of a fucked up person? Because that's what my dad made me believe I was. Right. And I have to... to un, uh, Unpack that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You must be learning things like every single day where you yes. realize like, oh shit, oh shit, that's that's why that was the way that it was. And yes. now this makes sense. Has, has there been anything that's been like really profound that you've realized or learned through studying? Um a about lot. yourself? A lot. Like... What's like the one... What is, is there one biggest thing? That enmeshment relationship I had with my dad, I know today that it is wrong and it's part of a Fifty Shades of Incest. It is not the clear incest where there is a sexual assault, but it's a climate that can lead to sexual assault if your daddy is an alcoholic, which was not... My dad was not an alcoholic, and I was lucky for that. Holy shit. But what I told in the beginning, that he hooked up with my mother, and he did not really love her, and he was just staying with her for uh, not... Not to feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. So there was an empty space to fill, and he did it with With his kids. Right. Whoa. Did you, wow. um, have you, have you talked to a psychologist yourself or done therapy of any kind? I, I did some therapy, but not on that particular subject because most therapists are reluctant to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there's a couple more things that I just wanted to ask before. I know that we're getting close to time and we're going to be wrapping it up soon, but you mentioned that, uh, that you're doing some public speaking at schools and working with med students currently sharing your story. Um, you said before we came on today that they, that the university kind of places these boundaries around what you can and can't say. Um, but you said tonight that you wanted to share some stuff that, that they didn't want you to talk about. What, what were some of those things? Mm. Me and my surgeon, I, I have really a special uh, relationship with her, and I really relate to her. And at one point, when I bring these uh, that that HIV thing that she caught while uh, operating sick kids in Africa. Oh my uh, God! That's how she got AIDS. Yes, that's how she got it. But supposed to like we don't know the whole truth. Sure. Okay. But yeah, we, yeah. Like. Yeah. It, it's. God, that's a wild story. She she died with her secret. Like, did she got raped and told that or? Right. Like we will never know. But okay. the thing is, I feel like 
we are so similar in so much points. As as if at one point she she had a hard time connecting with people since she she caught that disease. Nobody in her family knew it, and she did not purposely did not have any husband or kids. She she was so alone, but. At one point, I felt like she was giving herself uh, through her her career, helping sick kids and stuff. But I, I felt some loneliness that resonated deep within me. And I, I think I felt it because of hepatitis, maybe. Mm. Hepatitis was a, a highly stigmated disease. So maybe we have felt the same because of it, but she has kept silent. But she was um, getting away with people most of the time. She did not want to get involved with most people. And I felt like her at that point. And I remember when I was a kid, I, would, uh, I was fantasizing about her being my mother. And I just never understood why. But we... Like, I, I did some shroom trip one year ago, and that's when I realized how much she meant to me. And at one point, when all of this happened with my dad and he hung me and everything, I think that if I would have told her, she would have moved mountains to make sure that nothing bad happens to me. And I'm, I'm still... I'm still longing for that. I'm still longing for her response, even if I know she's dead and I will never see her again. But like we have models in our life that influences us a lot. And I felt like she left a big imprint in me. I, I find it incredible that that they don't want you to share that to a group of potential future med school students because it it just goes to show that the human experience in the illness like it there's such for you there was such a profound connection with your medical practitioner they they told me to not to talk about it because people thought she gave me hepsi which is not the case uh, people like, got out of there and instead of asking me to make sure everything was ta 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 uh they just left comment on the sheet. Mm. That's how it works. You have a, a again, like the the very beginning of this, I I mentioned how you have a very intense life story, and I feel like you know, as as much as there was a lot of like hardship in the early days. It seems like things are very much on like the up and up. Yeah. For you right now. Yeah. And I am I I'm very I feel very fortunate to have met you tonight. And I feel very excited about keeping in touch with you and just watching where this all ends up and like what you what you end up doing and what you end up taking and and hopefully, you know, teaching yeah. others about the shit that you've gone through and, and how how it doesn't have to be a life sentence. Um, but it doesn't have to be a life sentence. But listen up, like when you grow up, you you project yourself into being that, and you're going to do these studies and you're going to do that. But when you have chronic illness, there's so much door that you're like. If you want to be realistic, you know you're not going that way or that way. So you don't have any role to play in that life. So I had to really dig deeper to see where can I fit? Where can I, when can my lifestyle fit into that career or that stuff? And what I'm doing right now is getting paid by the studies I do. But the day I'm not in, in the high school system, like, there's nothing coming in. Not enough to, to, to be able yeah. to sustain my yeah. life. So from that point, I don't know what will happen. But That's the beauty of 
life. Yeah, but I have to find other ways because you know we we don't live out of yeah. fresh water and air like we did. We live out of we live out of money, and I have to find ways to make money out of uh, myself, my story, who I am. But at the same time, I know that there is not that much doors that are open that I can go into. But it it does sound like. You know, it sounds like you're passionate about psychology and understanding the brain and how it works. And, and you know, you've had such a pro profound impact on your life by the... By the thing that, is, I hate reading. Brain. I hate reading. I yeah. love, well, that's I love listening. I love listening to stuff. And I can listen to stuff for all, all day. But reading, for me, it's painful. So but, but I, I don't see myself as a, a licensed psychologist. But you don't or even, I don't even think you have to be that. I think that if you can find something that you're passionate about and helping others or, or hearing other people's stories or helping people who have been through similar si situations that you've been through and, I don't know, like working at some of the homes that you've worked at that you felt welcomed into, like I think that there's tons of opportunity and potential there and I think that you just have to like keep doing what you're doing and thing is our healthcare is getting cheaper and cheaper they don't want to pay us it's the universities that pays me when i when i get um it's not hired like it's volunteerism that i do when i go to hospital in saint Hyacinthe, and they 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 put me into projects to comments and bring them stuff that i learned in uh, university of montreal but Uh, there are guidelines that tells them that they cannot give us money. Right. It's only university. I do. I do feel though the fact that you've made it this far is a pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Good case for you. That, that's why I, I'm of, still pushing it. And yeah. That, and don't don't like, ever stop pushing it. I, I have like five or ten years left that I can still uh, keep going and have money yeah. and study online, but I don't know at what point. I, I always feel like at one point it's going to break and then I have to find something else. You have to write a book. Probably. Yeah. That, that yeah. will happen too, but I, I like talking. I, I don't like writing and reading. I like talking. I like sounds. You can dictate it. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Siri can just, you just say it at Siri and she'll write it right in front of your yeah, face. Yeah, how ironic would it be if you just hate reading but you wrote a book? That'd be yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> just make, just write a picture book, man. That's, those are the books I like. Oh, a book for kids. Yeah, there you go. A book yeah. for kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Kids don't even read them. Teenagers, maybe even not kids. I think, uh, I'm too creepy for kids. <laughs> kids are pretty fucking creepy. Uh, kids are pretty creepy. Um, well, I want to say, for, I, I do want to say thank you for, for taking the time to be here with us tonight. But also, thank you for, you know, th this is, it's one thing to sit in a studio and talk about your life and and talk about the hardships you've been through. It's another thing to do it in the, uh, like on St. Catharines in, in front of a bunch of fucking strangers. So uh, <laughs> for 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 you, I say thank you. But um, for, for all of you here, please give our, our guest tonight a, a big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you all so much for showing up, hanging out for a bit, um, and for, for listening. Um, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Bridie. I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. And Maggie. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> it's it's weird without the music. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.